Today on episode number 521, we have the couch cushion experiment, and he's back round three with Glenn the Geek. We're going to find out some things, because Glenn basically does a show that sounds like a radio show, so how is he doing that, including with callers? We're going to talk about he has one thing that he wish he would have done all these years, and now he's going to do it, and he's going to share that secret with you. He also has some insights into magazines and selling ads on your show, and I'm going to give you the latest update on my new and noteworthy experiment, as well as just a few tips on podcast movement. Hit it, ladies! The School of Podcasting with Dave Jackson. Podcasting since 2005. I am your personal podcast coach, Dave Jackson, thanking you so much for tuning in. If you're new to the show, here's what happens. I take my 20 plus years of helping people understand technology. I bring it to the microphone. I help you massage your message. I help you tackle the technology. I help you face your fears and flatten that learning curve and get you on the road to a successful podcast. As I record this, the School of Podcasting will be open through July 15th to leave room for all those people coming from podcast movement, which is where I will be. And uh, you can use the coupon code listener, L-I-S-T-E-N-E-R. That will save you a big chunk of cash when you sign up over at theschoolofpodcasting.com and click on the sign up button. But yeah, speaking of podcast movement, I will be there in Chicago looking so forward to this. It's going to be a great time. I'm actually speaking Friday at 1030. It is uh, the July 6th through the 8th. And the rest of the time, this is going to be one of the new things. This is the first time I'm going as an employee for Lipson. So it was always kind of hard to find me. And I think I'm really going to love this. It's really easy to find me. If it's not Friday at 1015, uh, I'm probably going to be at the Lipson booth. I might venture off a little here and there, but for the most part, I will be at the Libsyn booth. So please, if you're a listener of this show, I would love to meet you and talk to you and just say, hey, and uh, just hook up and high five and all that other fun stuff. Hook up is probably not the right phrase to use when I think about that, but high five, all that other stuff, touch base. And the one thing I occasionally hear is A, I didn't want to bother you. You you are never, ever bothering me. And though I, I don't get this one, that we're like, well, you know, you're Dave Jackson. And I'm like, yes, yes, I am. And I'm just, insert your name. And I'm like, no, no, there's, there's no classes here. There's no, this is just me and you. So please don't get nervous. I'm just a dude. I am just, I put my socks on one at a time. Occasionally, I will put my shoes on the wrong feet if I'm really tired. Uh, I'm just a person like you, so please don't. It's really, you, you'll see when you meet me, It's there's not much there. <laughs> so stop by and say hi. And uh, a couple quick tips on that I'm doing right now as we speak. Make sure you have your business cards. Uh, make sure you have fresh batteries in the portable recorder. Make sure to clean off the SD card so that it's fresh and ready for you to record on that card. Make sure to bring some breath mints. Make sure to drink lots of water just to keep your voice in shape. Uh, make sure to wear comfy shoes. And then here's my biggest tip that I think I can give you. Look, they have a phenomenal lineup of speakers. And so as I say this, I say this not to, you know, I'm one of the speakers on Friday at 10:15, not to, uh, uh, degregate is that the right word any of the speakers but if you're having a really good conversation in the hallway and you look up and go oh man i was gonna go to that session and see so and so but i'm really torn now because i'm having to stay in the hallway stay finish the conversation in the hallway because that you can't go back and listen to later but you can listen to the sessions later so if you are in that pickle for lack of a better phrase to stay in the hallway. I remember, I think it was last year, we went to a, uh, uh, we went out to eat. There was some official gathering thing and I went out and there's Michael Stelzner from uh, Social Media Examiner and he was telling me about how he had launched this new website and it was for kids and families and he made it from his heart, not from his head and he explained why he eventually had to shut it down because it wasn't working. That was like the world's coolest webinar or session 
or behind the scenes stuff that you can't get anyplace else. And I would have kicked myself if I would have said, well, Michael, I'm sorry to hear about that, but, uh, you know, I got to go listen to, you know, Ray Ortega, Steve Stewart, somebody. No, stay in the hallway. If you're, that's just my only advice because I've learned so much stuff. And that's where somebody else asked this on Ask the Podcast Coach. And this is, uh, I think this is my official stance on that. They said, should I try to get interviews at Podcast Movement? And my answer to this is, I would approach somebody, say hi, introduce yourself, and, and say, here's my show. Here's, and again, always explain things in a way that shows these people how they're going to benefit. And I have, you know, I, I'm, I've, I'm familiar with your show. We talk about that same subject. My audience is interested in, in you and your subject. Would love to have you on my show. And then see where it goes from there. Because I had somebody ask, should I try to do the interview at Podcast Movement? And my answer to this is let them lead because if they say, oh, would love to, uh, do you want to do that now? Or do you want to do it? Let them throw that out there. Because on one hand, if you say, I would love to interview you now, they might be in the middle of one of those really cool hallway discussions and maybe they don't want to leave that, but they would love to be on your show. Let them. And so I would just throw that. I would love to have you on my show because maybe now this is just the point where you, you plant that seed. You give them a business card. You can follow up with later. Or even if you want to say, yeah, let's schedule this for, let's see, what time are you getting back? You're getting back on the 9th. Why don't we schedule this for like the 17th and put that on the, get it on the calendar, but let them decide if they want to do it live. And that's my, that is, there's no fact there at all. That is just my opinion on that. And I think that's how I'm going to handle it if I get into a situation like that. So that's my, um, brief insights. And that works for any kind of event you're going to. I'm going to be at Podcast Mid-Atlantic later in the year. I'm going to be at PodFest next year down in uh, Orlando. Looking forward to that. And um, the other thing that's starting to launch next week, along with Podcast Movement, is the documentary that I am helping to work with. It's called The Messengers. You can find it at The Messengers Doc and DOC because it's a documentary. So themessengersdoc.com, uh, we're going to start releasing more information over there, and I'll be the narrator of their podcast. So a lot of things going on, and I'm really looking forward to um, giving you reports from Podcast Movement uh, next week. So definitely subscribe to the show. Go over to uh, schoolofpodcasting.com slash iTunes, and you can subscribe, or just go to schoolofpodcasting.com slash subscribe if you're not using iTunes. And uh, looking forward to it. All right. Well, joining me, one of the few people, I, let me take this back here. I think the only person to be on this program three times now, because you just can't get enough of Glenn Hebert, better known as Glenn the Geek from horseradionetwork.com. Glenn, how's it going, buddy? Good. Or either that or you could call me a stalker. I'm not sure which. <laughs> I just won't let you alone until I get to come back on the air again. But one of the great things about Glenn is he's uh, kind of a guy that's that's had huge success and not really cared a, 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 oh, I don't know, insert adjective here, about new and noteworthy and uh, has, uh, you know, made a, a killing at it. And so today you're going to come and, and share a bunch of things with us. But one of the things we wanted to start off with is you've discovered something new about trade shows. Yeah, I remember I said before, and a lot of your listeners have done this, and by the way, good for you guys. You, I recommended that everybody go to the wholesale retail trade show that's in your industry. Kind of the, uh, not open to the public necessarily, but the wholesale retail. If you don't have one of those, then an open to the public trade show that's in your niche. And they've ta- they've done it. I mean, you've heard from a bunch of people that have done it and had good luck there and, and gotten sponsors. The one you had, what, two weeks ago got two sponsors out of that. So I was so excited to hear that one. I listen to your show every week. There was a trade show in our industry, and I'm sure it happens in other industries too. There is a, an association of horse journalists. These are the horse magazines and all the freelance journalists and photographers and people that are, are involved in journalism in the horse world. It's called the American Horse Publications. I am, we've been a member. We paid for membership in the American Horse Publications to be a member, but I never went to the annual conference because I don't consider us journalists. I consider us entertainers. Okay. We don't write news. We don't 
you know, we don't necessarily always verify our sources. We're entertainers. You've listened to our show. We're entertainers, right? We're morning radio guys. We're, we're you know, we're, we're disc jockeys. We're entertainers. So I never went. Big mistake. I went to my first one last week. First of all, everybody in our industry now knows we are. If I'd gone five years ago, they wouldn't have. We work with a lot of these magazines. They, we work with them for content for our shows. They have our players, which people can listen to our shows on their websites. So we already work with a lot of them. What I didn't realize until I went, and there were about 150 people there, is about a third of the people there are corporation, corporate sponsors who have people who write press releases and stuff for them. Or they have salespeople in various forms. So you, got, you have corporate sponsors there corporations that are either in retail or wholesale. You have journalists, you have the, the salespeople for the magazines that are there, and then you have freelancers that are there. A lot of them, I'd say a, a third of the people in the room have been guests on our shows. So I got to meet them in person for the first time, which is kind of fun, and hang out with them all weekend. But the opportunities that, because we were there for three days together and it was a smaller group, the opportunities for mingling and for chatting uh, were tremendous. And and the relationships that are going to come out of that, I think, are are. I should have been doing this for eight years. I really should have. We're going to see new advertisers out of it. But more importantly, and this is something to keep in mind in your niches, every magazine now is looking at starting a podcast. And I don't care how small the magazine is. They're looking at starting a podcast. I did a podcasting 101 talk at this uh, group, and there were about 35 people in the room. And I really didn't expect that because there were two other sessions going on with really journalists driven topics. So I didn't really expect anybody to show up, to be honest, Dave. We had 35 people there and they asked a ton of questions. And the big thing they wanted to know is how does podcast benefit their magazine? And the way it benefits their magazine is, and I, I hit this about 50 times in the presentation, is they listen to podcasts when they can't consume their magazine. So they're publishing a magazine and they're publishing videos, most of them, and they're hitting the people when they have that concentrated time to read or to watch videos. They're completely out of the people's minds when they're driving and all that, that time when people are listening to podcasts. That hit home for them. And that's the reason magazines are looking at getting into it now. In addition to being a revenue source, they already have salespeople. So they already have ad salespeople. It's going to be a revenue source. But more importantly, they can touch people when they're not touching them now. And that's in those times when people are doing other things. So it was an opportunity for us at the Horse Radio Network to say, if you're going to do a podcast, do it with us. And I think we're going to see four or five new podcasts come out of this last weekend. Nice. Uh, because they also, one of the other things that you learn about magazines is they're all shorthanded. Right. They don't have a lot of staff. They're all, they're all doing 10 things and the editors are doing 20 things. So they're, they're very understaffed. So they need help doing it. So magazines are going to be a huge source for those of you that want to do podcasting full time. It's going to, it's going to be a great source. Like we'll do the editing, we'll do production, we'll do all the uh, post-production stuff for them, put them on the horse radio network on our website, on our app, get them on iTunes, do all of that for them. We even do the recording for them and it makes it easy for them. So it's kind of a no brainer to pay us to do that. Uh, so I think we're going to see a lot of it. I should have been going. It was the biggest mistake I think I've made in eight years is not going to this every year. And then I would think the other benefit to you is then these people then bring in their audience from their magazine and it just, it's going to grow your brand on the horse radio network. So it's it, huge. It's a win-win. Yeah, it is. A, it's a win-win-win for everybody. But it's a win for their advertisers, too, because it gives them a new outlet. Maybe they wouldn't have come to us before. But when a magazine they've been advertising in for a lot of money, by the way, every month, when a magazine they're advertising in that they've been in for 10 years says, oh, why don't you try this? They're more likely to try it than if I come up as a, you know, cold and ask them to do it. Nice. Because they already have a relationship with them. And the more advertisers we can get, this is a key, the more advertisers we can get that understand podcasting, they're then going to advertise with their podcast. But then if that's working for them, they're going to go looking for others and they're going to they're contact me and want to be on our other podcasts. So it, it's a, truly a, a three-way win for everybody. I, I think a lot of people look at the magazine side as a it's going to be competition. 
It's only competition if you look at it as competition. You should be contacting the magazines in your niche right now and be the person they work with. They're going to work with somebody. You be that person. Yeah, that's cool. And if you think about it, you know, magazines right now, one of the things that uh, that I learned in Florida PodFest was how much audiobooks are shooting up, the, the uh, people consuming audiobooks. And so magazines might as well jump into that and make their, you know, their content available as audio as well. And, uh, you know, now uh, what a, it's great. And they come in the pool. You, you get introduced to their advertisers. What a great way to go. Awesome. I'm and friend. by the way, I learned a lot from their salespeople, their ad salespeople. I learned a lot. And they charge a lot more than we do. I mean, you, a full page ad, even in a horse magazine, is $3,000 a month. Dang. So, you know, we're a fraction of that. Everybody should be advertising with us, by the way. I, I walked away from that going, why isn't every company out there advertising with us? Because, you know, we're a fraction of that. And then I also thought, i got to raise my rate. That's the other, that's the other thing I came away from. But I, I just wanted to mention that. And I know that's not the main reason I was here. But think about it in your niche. Find the magazines. Reach out to them. If they're looking for it right now, you might as well be the one helping them. Well, and you said, you know, obviously you have been dealing with sponsors. You've been selling ads for a while. What was, give us something that you learned from their salespeople that you went, hmm, yeah, that's a good idea. It is different. It, when they're selling magazine, it's different in the same. People, advertisers, and I've gotten this objection a lot when I've gone out to sell advertising, uh, is, you know, they always say to you, they, they want some kind of ROI, most of them. They want to figure out what kind of return on investment they're getting for your advertising. And, and I always thought that they got some kind of ROI out of the magazines. They could figure that out. In talking to the ad people, they don't get any ROI. There's no ROI they can figure out of the magazines. They kind of have an idea if somebody mentions they saw it in the magazine or if there's a coupon code. They kind of have an idea, but coupon codes are kind of wishy-washy, as you know, anyway, because people forget to use them. Right. So they'll go do it, and then they forget to use your coupon code. Or they get to check out and go, well, I'm already checked out. I don't feel like going to look for it because they've forgotten it, right? right. So, uh, it, you know, that happens everywhere. So one of the things I learned was, and I have a new sales approach, is now I ask them, how much ROI, what kind of return are you getting out of the $4,000 a month uh, that you're spending on the magazines. And uh, the couple I've talked to since then have said, well, we really don't know. And then all of a sudden that objection goes away for me. Nice. Because how can they use it on me if they've been doing it for 10 years and have no idea, how, you know, how the magazine's working for them? Exactly. That's like, it drives me nuts when, you know, somebody will say, well, in podcasting, do you know exactly how far somebody's listening like if it's a hour long show, can you tell me, you know, exactly how far they listened? And I'm like, I always want to go, can you tell me that information in radio? No. Well, and, yeah. and my objection would be, because remember, most of the niches we're in magazines are our biggest competition. Right. Because of the level of, uh, uh, the level of advertiser yeah. we're at is yeah. kind of the medium to smaller level. Right. So, you know, my comeback is how do you know they get to your ad in the magazine? Yeah, there you go. And, you always have to get them thinking back to the thing that they have been doing for the last 10 years because they think that's working, even though they're not sure their sales have been going up. So they're crediting it to something, but they're not sure. So we just have to be another piece of that pie that uh, helps them grow so that they, and that's what's happened with our sponsors that have been with us for a long time. They're not exactly sure necessarily that we're doing a good thing, but their sales are going up and they're not going to change it. Um, <laughs> that so, works. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's just something to think about as, you're, as uh, you, you know, your, your listeners and fellow podcasters are starting to look at uh, ad sales yeah. is your biggest competition in your niches is going to be your magazines. But let's make them a friend. Yeah, absolutely. Them. All right. Well, the other thing I wanted to talk to you about is uh, Friday mornings. If you're wondering what Dave is doing, he's listening to Horses in the Morning, mainly because it's hilarious. I'm not a horse person. And um I've had people ask me from time to time how I do my Saturday call-in show, but you're, you're actually doing, for lack of a better phrase, radio. I mean, you're doing ad spots. You've got all sorts of things going on. And I just wanted, if you don't mind, kind of peeling back the hood on how you're doing your live show. I get this question a lot from fellow podcasters because we really do a morning drive radio show. Uh, we're playing bumpers. We have, we have a ton of different bumpers we play. We have segments that we do. And everything's boom, 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 boom. So we try and keep it really tight. Uh, it, you've listened to it. It sounds like morning drive radio, only we're talking about horses. 
that's that's what we try and accomplish. We have a couple of guests on each show. We may have callers. We do funny segments. You know, we play the music. We actually do play music. We play all independent artists that are horse people that are also singers. And we've gotten permission from them to play their music. They're not with labels, so we can we can get away with it. At least I think we can. I haven't gotten sued yet. So, um, so we play music. We do it's morning drive radio, but. To accomplish that, Blog Talk obviously is the easiest way to do that. We used Blog Talk for a lot of years, and we just decided when they changed the terms of service that we needed to go our own route, and we wanted a little better sound, too. So it took a lot to figure this out and to get it done, uh, and it takes... So I'll go through it with you. We have three people involved in the morning show. We have a producer, and we have two co-hosts. I am the main co-host, and at my station, I am sitting here with three separate computers and four screens. Wow. We run everything through a Behringer mixer. I use a pretty large Behringer mixer. So those three computers all come into the mixer. That was the problem that we had to figure out, was how to make all that work. On those four screens, I have two programs running on each screen. So I have, a scr- I have a computer that just runs my Skype, and I Skype in the co-host who's in Arizona. So I'm Skyping in or wherever the co-hosts are. I Skype them in. That's how they're running into the mixer. So that's how I chat with my co-host. Also on that computer, which happens to be a Mac, we do our Skype chat. And the Skype chat is how I chat with the co-host and the producer, who's also in a separate location. So we all three are chatting on there. So the producer will let us know the caller's ready, the caller's late, I got a terrible connection, the caller's nervous, you're going to have to relax them. Whatever that is, the producers, or she'll throw questions at us that we haven't thought of for the guests. She's in constant communication with us during the show. And then we all, I do a recording of the show. I use Audio Hijack Pro on the Mac to do a recording of the show. And because the way we have it run through the mixer, it's picking up all the sound, not just Skype. It's picking up all the sound that's coming through the mixer. We have the, uh, we have the Skype or we have the Mac actually set up through the USB connection out of the Behringer mixer. So it's picking up all sound and also sending out all sound back to the mixer. So that computer, that one computer just does Skype and a recording. The main computer, I use a desktop for this, uh, we, we actually have our show notes open. We use Google Docs for everything. I actually build a Google site. If you're familiar with Google Sites, it's one of the options you have if you have Google Gmail or products or Google products of any kind. Instead of doing a doc for each one, we actually build an entire site that's not open to the public, just open to whoever we share it with, our co-hosts. And we build a separate page on that site for every show notes. So, for example, the morning shows up to 1,400 episodes. We have 1,400 pages in there that were built. I can go search in that Google site for any guest we've had, and it'll bring up the show notes pages that they were on, the production notes pages that they were on. Um, And also, the nice part about that is the co-hosts and the producer are all in separate places. We can make a change, hit refresh, and everybody sees it. Nice. So we use that for every show we do, whether it's a weekly show or the, 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 you know, the uh, daily shows. We use Google Sites for everything. And everybody has Gmail, so that works out nicely. Uh, so I have, I have Google Sites open with our production notes for the day, what we're going to do. We, keep, we do a pretty detailed production notes, by the way. The show's an hour and a half, five days a week. And we do pretty detailed production notes of what guest is coming next, what commercial, because we'll have two or three commercials in a, in a show. We know whether that commercial is going to be host read or we're, we're talking it or it's going to be a, a canned commercial that we've done. So we have that. That computer also, the second computer that I have, does all the sound. So I'll throw, I use iTunes to play all the sound. I throw, I make playlists for every day of the week. I throw all of our regular sound in there. I put whatever songs that are going to be there, whatever separate sound we're going to play. I'll put it in there. And that sound all goes back into the mixer and out to both, both of the other computers. And that way also the co-host and the producer also hear all the sound. So like a regular radio show, everybody's hearing everything. The guests hear all the sound, too, because on that computer, I'm also connected to call-in studio. Nice. Uh, We have call-in studio open. That's what we use for our callers and our guests. We do them all through call-in studio because our people are not sophisticated enough to have Skype for the most part. 
So we're calling them in the barn mostly. They're riding horses sometimes. You know, it, they're on their cell phones is how we're getting our guests. So the producer is connected through Colin Studio, not through Skype. She's actually in Colin Studio as the screener because you can do that in Colin Studio. Right. We have I'm in there as the host, which means I can take the callers, take them out of the screening room, out of the host queue, put them live, take them off live. I can put them back on hold. I can do everything I need to do with callers and guests, and so can the producer. So she can do that as well. So she takes the, this was a big thing. We had to have her be able to call the guests, get them off the air while we're live, screen them, put them back so that I could take them on the air when I need them. And they're hearing the show in the meantime, just like regular radio. Nice. Um, so that's what we do. So she can call them. She calls them off the air. We call most of our guests because we don't trust them to remember. So we call them. And a lot of times, you know, we always have a backup, backup plan for when a guest doesn't show up. We always have a backup plan. Um, so we'll, uh, she'll call them. We'll get them ready. And then whether it's a caller, maybe it's a listener calling in. She can screen them off air, tell them yes or no. And we'll put them on. And then she lets us know on our Skype chat what's going on. Um, and so that's, and all of that sound stuff, uh, I do off of my main, uh, my main desktop computer. And then I have another computer that runs, that's also connected to the mixer that runs Mixler. Mixler is how we send the live feed out. It seems to be pretty good. We haven't, we've had a couple occasional blips with it, but I don't, that company's out of what Netherlands or somewhere. I talked to them on the phone the one day for quite a while. They mainly work with radio stations, sending the live feed for radio stations out. Mm. Um, have you dealt with Mixler much? Yeah, actually, I used to use them for my show, and uh, I'm with you. There, it's it's super simple. You send them a signal, and they stream it. I mean, there's not much to it. No, and that's all I wanted was a kind of a dumb signal. Yeah. Um, out and then on that computer, so we're sending Mixler out through that computer. They get the they get basically are getting all of the sound out of the mixer, so it's a complete package into that computer. I basically have it going into the line in to the record to the microphone line into that laptop. Right. And so they're getting the sound as I, as, you know, as it's heard in the end coming out of the mixer. And I also do a backup recording on that computer. Um, so we do all of our, I don't hear you talk about it much, but we do all of our recording for all our shows on PCs on Total Recorder. Uh, we found it to be the most reliable. I have, we've never had a problem with Total Recorder. So we use Total Recorder for all of our recording on PCs. Uh, it's, I will have to look that. That's one I've not heard of. So I will have really? to really, yeah. Oh, we love it. I've, every other recorder I've ever used to record Skype or whatever off of PCs, mm-hmm. I've always had issues with it. Would crash occasionally, things like that. We never in in five years had a problem with Total Recorder. Hmm, interesting. I've never had an issue, and you, it's you can save it as an MP3 file. It's so easy how you can save it. You can pause and continue. Uh, and the other thing with Total Recorder is you re- you can record sound off your computer, uh, off the uh, browser on your computer. So a lot of times we're doing race calls or horse races. Right. And I'll record the horse race call off of YouTube or somewhere. Right. And that way I'll have the sound and then we can just, I just play it. Um, so that works really well. Love Total Recorder. Can't recommend it. I think it's like 30 bucks. Hmm. Uh, and I buy it for every, all of my hosts have Total Recorder. Nice. Yeah, so that's a that's a great one. Then we go to my co-host out, uh, usually out in Arizona. She has one computer. She's connected through Skype. She has her show notes open, and she's chatting on on Skype chat. So that's all she really does. Uh, that's all she's in charge of. And then my producer has is connected through Call in Studio, and she's in charge of guests and callers and handling all of that end. And she also is in charge of keeping the hosts on track. She really acts as a radio producer. If we're running late, she'll tell us. If we're going too long with a host or a guest, she'll tell us. And, you know, she tries to keep us on time. Uh, and, she, you know, she does a good job of that, actually. Well, she, well, that was going to be one of my questions. So do you have like a, I guess for lack of a better phrase, like a clock? Like, do you know that like from, you know, from 9 o'clock to 9.15, we're going to talk about this. From 10, 15, 9.15 to 9.30, we have the guest. Yeah, have- that's that we pretty much have a standard we do from nine to nine thirty usually is is just the hosts. 
Um, our shows are very much host driven about our lives and, you know, people want to hear about our horses and scooter and, you know, they want to, they want to live our lives pretty much with us. So we're very much radio show that way. And I know there's a lot of podcasters say, get to the guest right away. Well, when we have a lot of guests on a show, if we start guests earlier than 930, uh, we get complaints that we're not talking about us enough. They want to hear more of us. There you go. So, so, you know, it's all about the hosts with what we do. And so we usually have our first guest at 930 and then we'll play a song after that. 15 minutes with that guest. We'll play a song. We'll do some news. And then we're into our next guest by 10 o'clock. We'll run that guest till about 10, 15, 1030 or 1020. And then it's us for the last 10 minutes. Uh, and that's usually how our morning show schedule goes. Although sometimes we'll throw an extra guest in while we'll three in a show. Fridays is a day Dave loves. We do really bad ads on Friday at 10 o'clock. Um, it's our biggest listener day and, uh, people download that show more than any other, uh, peop- our listeners submit really bad Craigslist ads about horses or trailers for sale. And we just make fun of them. It's uh, awesome. Really I couldn't believe it when I saw you were listening. I was like, well, you've always <laughs> talked about it. And I'm like, well, how bad can these ads be? And I tuned in. I'm like, holy cow, this is a, just a giant train wreck. I couldn't believe all the different. Uh, Every week for five years, we've done that segment. Holy And cow. it never gets old. <laughs> well, I have a, a quick question. What's, yeah. why, why Google Sites instead of Google Docs? Like, what's the I difference? I did that because I wanted each, because in the Google site for that show we're doing, because remember, we have 10 shows. Oh. So in that Google uh, site for the show we're doing, we also put, we also build pages for the advertising. We also build templates for for the shows so that we, we use templates that have the basic information in it. And then we fill in the blanks about guests and stuff. Yeah, and it would Anything be- related to that show goes on that Google site. See, that's so the thing. Yeah, because otherwise it'd be a nightmare trying. You'd have 14,000 Google Docs. Here's the one for, you know, this episode or that episode and things like that. I got to tell you, Google Docs are kind of a pain to search. You know, yeah. I probably have 10,000 Google Docs and it, it's it's just not organized well. I, you know, I've tried to organize it well and it just didn't work as well as having a site that all the hosts have access to. They can all go in and edit. And, and and it just works. I mean, that's why we do it is so we can keep all, everything in one place for one show. And then call in studio. How many people like how big is your queue? Like how many well, callers? You can determine your queue. Yeah. Um, and you pay by the minute with call in studio. By the way, we were paying about two hundred fifty dollars. We were at the top plan with Blog Talk. We were at two hundred fifty a month. Mm-hmm. We had their premium, whatever it was, for five years. By the way. Um, and when we went away from blog, and I'm not busting blog talk, I think they've gotten better and I think they're doing good things, but read the terms of service like you should with anything you do. Um, but we're paying about 150 month total now between Mixler, uh, call in studio. Uh, we run everything through Alphonic. Then we take that finished file that we ha- get from the li- all our shows and we use all, we Alphonic all of them to put the ID three tags on. I have them go out to our servers because we host our own files. So I have them go out to our servers and I have a copy sent back to my Google Drive. I love Alphonic because that's my backup copy then is all sitting in Google Drive and we also keep a copy locally. So we have three copies of every episode, all 5,000 of them. Holy um, Yep. So because I don't want to be caught with my pants down at right. some point, right? Yeah. So, so call in studio, you can have up to, I think it's 500 phone lines. Yeah. It's ridiculous. I just wasn't sure. Cause yeah, I don't know. We usually have five that we set up for the day and we cost us around $7 a day. And that's with two hosts in there. Cause they charge you for that. They charge you by the minute for everybody in it, but it's usually about $7 a day is what it costs us. Beautiful. So that worked out really well when we compared it to Blog Talk. You know, if we did a direct comparison, we're actually paying less now and have really, I think our sound's pretty good. I don't know. You listen. I don't know. Um, Sounds I think fine sound, to me. Yeah. And I think our sound's good. It's even better when we run to throw a phonic and it levelates all the guests and stuff, too, on their cell phones. Uh, but, you know, now the other thing is, why do we do live? We have very few live listeners. It's because it has a feel. That's the reason we do live. It has a feel of live. You cannot fake that. You cannot fake the pressure of not screw. And we treat it like there's a million people listening. You know, you hear us. We treat it like we're live. Mm-hmm. And we are live. You know, there are, but there's only dozens listening. It's, you know, compared to the thousands that downloaded, it, it's nothing. But it has a feel. And people love, 
I can't tell you how many people said, I'm listening live today. It's their one day I had off, and they thought it was a privilege to listen live. So that's the reason we do it. We also do it so we can take callers, and it just makes the whole guest thing a little bit easier. And it also, you don't waste time. When we record our shows, you, there's all that wasted time you spent chit-chatting yeah. uh, with your guests. There's no waste of time. They're in, they're out. We're not chit-chatting with them. And by the time that sh- hour and a half's over, we're sending it to Alphonic, and, and in a half an hour, it's out to the feeds. Jennifer does the show notes, uh, our show notes on our website. She builds those during the show. So by the time it's over, we run that file through Alphonic. Show notes are done. We're done. Wow. Now, how much prep time do you guys think you put into that? Because that's a lot of stuff to be. It is. A lot of and balls it, juggling there. <laughs> and we're about to hire our first virtual assistant. Well, we, we, we have a, we have, uh, Neil does our editing on a lot of our weekly shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're about to fire, hire our first virtual assistant just to book guests. Our biggest time consuming thing is booking guests. We book 10 to 15 guests a week for all the shows. So you know what that's like. It's emails back and forth. It's just a nightmare. And then they cancel or they have to postpone. And we are dealing with horse people whose horses get sick or getting called out for whatever reason. So we have a lot more postponements than most. Right. So that is a nightmare. So we're looking at getting a virtual assistant just to book our guests. That'll free us up. But I figure we have about four hours of pre-production uh, for every daily show we do. I get up at four in the morning and the show starts at nine and I'm pretty much working on something involving that show for the, you know, beside taking a shower and, you know, doing the horses in the morning. I'm working on that show till we get going. We look up news. We, you know, we check all the horse news that's been around and, you know, we're getting ready with our guests, reading about the guests. I don't know what guests we're going to have on till about two hours before the show. And then I'm researching the guests. I have, I don't know who's been booked because I'm not involved in all that. Uh, that's all the, that's all the producer's job. So, and, and my co-host is actually a half an hour before she'll sit down a half an hour before the show. We have a meeting a half an hour before we go over the guests, who's going to take what guests and she'll read about a half an hour before the show. And she's good to go then, uh, at showtime. Wow. That's a, and the, the fun thing about that again, I think again, goes back to your, your point of it's live is, you know, when it's five o'clock in the morning, You've got to hit the ground running because, you know, nine o'clock is right around the corner. It probably gets there a lot sooner than you think it would. And uh, if you're not ready, then you're like, I hope we have a lot of callers. (laughs) (laughs) We have we and we do it at nine o'clock on the button. I mean, we we don't miss. We treat this seriously. And and I think the pressure helps make it be a better show. Mm-hmm. We put we would you know what? If we went out at nine oh five, it probably wouldn't matter. Right. But we put the pressure on ourselves to make it professional. And, we, and and the other thing is we have a lot of sponsors who count on us to make it professional. Right. So that's the other side of it. When you have sponsors, now there, there is pressure because you have to do a good job for your sponsors and you have to do what you say you're going to do in your contract. And we say we're going to put out a live show and their title sponsor paying a lot of money every month to, to have that spot. So, you know, we really take that seriously. I got a, one thing I want to leave you with, and I know I've been talking a long time. And I've run into this with a couple of podcasters here recently, and you see it all the time in the Facebook groups. They have a co-host quit on them, and they're, they're, they're panicking, or something happens, and they're panicking. Always think of every challenge you have in podcasting as an opportunity. My co-host, Jamie, you heard her. She's professional. She is good. She's a great storyteller. She was 10 years in mainstream radio in Atlanta, top 40 radio in Atlanta as the morning drive girl. So she knows her stuff. By the way, her favorite saying is don't let the truth get in the way of a good story. <laughs> uh, that's her favorite saying from regular radio. But she can tell a story like she can take a two minute story and make it 20 minutes and, and you're at the edge of your seat. Just wait to see what happens. And, and her life is a train wreck. And that's what makes it such a if you have a co-host whose life is a train wreck, you've got gold. Right. <laughs> that's just radio gold right there. But she is so good at that. But she, so I had her for the first three years. And then she, at the age of 36, decided to have a baby. Ah, there you go. The arch nemesis of all podcasting, baby. So now what do we do, right? And right. she... She said, I can't do five days a week. I got to take care of the baby. My husband's he's a fighter pilot with the Air Force. He flies F-16s. You know, what am I going to do? And I said, well, do you still want to do it? And, I, and believe me, I was praying. She still wanted to do it. People love her. She, you know, they just right. love her. So, and I love her. I love working with her. She's so much fun. She makes my job easy. And that, when you're doing co-hosts for the number of shows we do, you, you have to have that. And we have a great rapport. 
And she said, well, I can cut back my days. I'll go back to three days a week. And then I was like, I was in a little bit of a panic because what do I do with Tuesday and Thursday? We have obligations to sponsors, right? Right. So, you know, I decided, look, we'll rearrange our schedule a little bit and we'll sell Tuesdays and Thursdays. And that's what we did. We sold them to organizations. And a lot of times, a couple of those days are associations that of different breeds or training associations. And they buy that day. So they're sponsoring that day. It's their show. They provide the co-host. I am also a co-host on those Tuesdays and Thursdays, eight of them every month. And we sold it to eight different organizations. So one will have the first Tuesday of the month. One will have the second Thursday of the month. So we have an endurance day. We have a training day. We have all different days now that are, but they're consistent every month. And they're hosted by the same people from their organization and me. And those have become hugely popular. Wow. And we charge them by the day. They sell their own advertising. We charge them a flat rate. We moved our other advertisers around. And we charge them a flat rate, and then they go sell their own advertising for those days. They have become some of our most popular shows every month. We have an Australian day hosted by a lady in Australia with all Australian guests. And people love it. it and it's different. It gets a different voice. Yet Jamie's still the consistent Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I'm the consistent every day. And now that's become so popular that we have people asking us for days. They want to have their own day on horses in the morning every month that we're doing weekend editions now. They won't be live. They'll be recorded. But we're going to be putting out weekend editions of horses in the morning. And they'll actually be hosted by two separate hosts. I won't be involved. But we'll record them. We'll make sure it has our brand uh, feel to it. And we're selling those days. So that'll be once a month for all those organizations. So we widened our content. We're making steady money now. Those, that, that eight days a month that is getting paid for steady that we don't have to sell advertising against has been a godsend. Uh, and it's just worked out to be the best thing we could have ever done. And it was out of adversity that we made it into a wonderful thing. That's awesome. And it's also a page right out of radio. I mean, there are a lot of, I know podcasters that, uh, they're coming to me because they're on the radio. They're on some AM radio dial or something like that. And uh, they're paying, you know, $500 a day for, you know, an hour long show, maybe three hours tops, maybe. And they're putting out a lot of money to do a show in a radio station. And there's no listeners, you know, on, on right. wherever they're at. And uh, so, you know, radios are selling basically booth time. And you're kind of doing the same thing. Might as well, because you have, again, their target audience. So that's a great idea. Yeah. So, so when, you're, when you run into those bumps that we all run into with, and Dave's run into with podcasting, look at that in a different way. First of all, go to sleep at night. Forget about it. Wake up in the morning and say, now, how can I take this bit of adversity and make it into a plus? And in my case, because I'm a business, I always say, how can I take this bit of adversity and make money on it? Uh, because I am a business. First and foremost, I'm in business of podcasting. I love doing what, we're, what I'm doing. I love being on the mic, but I always have to be thinking about the dollars because we're running a business. Uh, and you can do that too. So if you lose your co-host, that's the most common one I see is their co-host bails. Think about what I said earlier in the show. There's a magazine in your space. Go to the magazine and find out if they want to be a part of your show. Put it on their website, and they have somebody that might want to be the co-host. And oh, by the way, they're going to bring credibility to you. They're going to bring listeners to you, and they're going to bring content to you. Uh, so don't look at it as adversity. Find a way to make it profitable. Absolutely. Great advice, as always, from the one and only America's horse husband, Glenn Hebert, better known as Glenn the Geek. And uh, Glenn, thanks so much for coming on the show, buddy. Hey, it's been fun. I still listen to the show, although I can't listen to it now on the way to Walmart uh, at 6 in the morning on Sunday. I have to listen to it in the afternoon. That's all right. As long as you're still listening, that's what counts. (laughs) I love your show. Thanks, man. One of the things that a lot of people talk about that drives them nuts is what we call room noise. And it's kind of this echo, this... I'm actually hearing a ring because I'm really, really, really listening for it. And it's one of those things that we can really obsess over. And we're positive that everybody else hears this echo. And I was doing some, I'm part of the Academy of Podcasters or whatever that thing, (laughs) the Academy of Podcasting, maybe that's it. And I had to judge a couple of categories. 
And I was amazed at how much I obsess over mine. But yet when I listen to other people's show, my show is fine compared to other ones. Now, what really bad room noise sounds like, let me make some here even more, is I'm going to get way away from the microphone and I'm going to turn this up. Now, do you see what I mean? It's like really kind of boomy and if I... There's actually a, yeah, there's a, a, a ring noise here. But if you get closer to your microphone and you have a pop filter and you don't talk directly into it, you can turn down your microphone. So what I'm going to do here live is I am grabbing pillows, just throw pillows from the sofa and I'm now putting them, now they're in front of my computer monitor. So if I'm looking to read something off the screen. I've got a problem now, but I've got two in place. I'm going to stick uh, one kind of underneath of on my lap, and I'm going to put this other one right here in front of the fan. Again, block. So basically, I will take a picture of this, and my microphone is now uh, surrounded by pillows. In fact, I'm going to take the one off my lap, and put it right here. So I basically made a big giant triangle around my microphone, of which the microphone is now in the middle of. And I hear a slight difference. So this is a, an easy fix without putting a rug over your head. Now here's the other thing that most of you are gonna be saying as you listen to this, I don't hear any difference. Yeah, it's most of this stuff, the difference that you will hear is not any different because you're listening through earbuds on the subway or things like that. But if you're really obsessed over it, this seemed like an easy fix. Now I'm going to pull the, the pillows away. And now if I talk again, yeah, it's, it's subtle. It's so subtle, but I definitely hear a difference. And so if you want an easy fix, you could basically just throw some pillows. And I got to give uh, kudos to this. I got this idea from the one and only Steve Stewart. And the other thing I'm going to do here is I'm going to turn up my noise gate. Here we go. So now the noise gate is on, cutting off all background noise when I'm talking. And uh, Steve Stewart does this because Steve used to travel for his job. And he would be in a hotel room. And of course, I don't know, why do they do that? They always give you like 13 pillows on your bed. I'm like, I really, I've only got one head. I don't really need 37 pillows. But uh, that was a way, and I've always, he said it worked, and uh, I just proved it did. Now, keep in mind, most of you in the car right now went, go, I didn't hear any difference at all. And that's my point. Nobody tunes in to a podcast for the quality of the microphone, for the room noise or lack thereof. Listen to Gary Vaynerchuk. Gary Vaynerchuk sounds like he records it in the bathroom, with five people, it's, you know, but it's good content. Now, that doesn't mean you can just put out whatever you want. Always do the best you can with the budget that you have. But it's fairly hard these days, in my opinion, to put out a podcast that is, the audio quality is so bad that it's distracting. Now, I actually find Gary V's audio quality slightly distracting, but that's because I'm a podcaster. And in the same way that when I go see musicians, I shred them to death in my head because I'm judging everything they do. And we don't listen like, for lack of a better phrase, normal people. But now you know a quick solution. And this is where I see a lot of people will go buy a milk crate, one of those plastic milk crates. You can go to Walmart and buy this kind of, it looks like an egg carton, but it's meant to be used as a uh, kind of a fill-in for a mattress. So it's a way to kind of boost the mattress. And you can cut that out and just line the inside of the milk carton with that foam, cut some holes in it for some cables to go through and put your mic in the middle of it and have your own little soundproof booth. So not really needed, but if you're going to obsess over it, my favorite line, and I've said this before, is I was uh, obsessing over the fan in my computer. And every week on my, this is back in 2005. And every week I would have a segment about, don't you hear it? Don't you, do you guys hear that? Do you, and finally, Rich Palmer, loverichpalmer.com, uh, sent me an email, said, Dave, I have no idea what you're talking about. I don't hear it. And I really wish you would move on. And so 
I, I say this because I realize that we suffer from room noise and hiss and all this other stuff, but um, your audience probably has no idea what you're talking about. I was watching um, Daniel J. Lewis, who is a friend of mine from the audacity to podcast.com. And uh, he did a four hour thing on blab to announce the uh, podcaster society, which is a, a membership site that he runs was uh, now open. And he said, I, he said something about hiss and uh, we all went, we don't hear it. And again, he said, Oh, well I, he turned it off with a, a noise gate and a noise gate is simply something, and then we'll wrap this up if you're like, wait, you just said gate. What's a gate? A noise gate is something that says, look, if the sound is like my voice, let's say my voice is a 10, but the sound of my neighbors is a three. I could say, look, anything below four does not make it to the tape. It doesn't make it to the recording. It's not loud enough, and it is, it's stuck behind this gate that takes it down to, to nothing. And so my voice is loud enough, so it cuts through, but the neighbor does not. So that's a noise gate. And again, you usually don't need those. I'm Again, that's the, the thing I found about listening to other podcasts. How many people have a, a fair amount of background noise, and I've never heard it because I wasn't listening in a quiet room with earbuds. I was in the car, walking the dog, in the grocery store, doing whatever it is we all do when we listen. And I've been asking, if you want to send them in, you can take a selfie of where you're listening to this show right now and just email it to dave at schoolofpodcasting.com. And all the pictures that have been coming in, I'm putting them on my wall. Everybody's in the car. Everybody's, you know, Ryan K. Parker from foodcraftsman.com was out mowing the lawn. A lot of people doing yard work, things like that. And nobody's going to care about that. So that was the, uh, we will call that the couch cushion experiment. This podcast is part of the Power of Podcasting Network. Find it at powerofpodcasting.com. Changing the world, one download at a time. If you're new to the show, I've launched a podcast called Because of My Podcast. Oddly enough, you can find that at, you guessed it, becauseofmypodcast.com. And if you have one of those stories, it's, it's just simply something that you wouldn't have been able to do except for your podcast. On the last episode, you hear the story of someone who got to race in the Baja 1000 because of their podcast. And so I launched this show mainly because I wanted to, it's a, a, regularly that's a regular segment on this show, not so much today, but normally I have one of those here, but I wanted to put those out on their own separate feed. So if somebody says, why should I start a podcast? I can just go, go to becauseofmypodcast.com slash binge and listen, because they're all like four or five minute shows. And, but I also, behind the scenes, wanted to see, A, if I could get into new and noteworthy, and B, if I did, what kind of effect it did. And I got to tell you something. It used to be, I would say, that all it takes to get into new and noteworthy, and I do still, for the record, throw up just a little bit in my mouth when I say that, uh, because um, I used to say you could get in it with just a pulse. And apparently, that is no longer the case. And so I am in new and noteworthy in the category of podcasting, which is a subcategory of technology. So uh, just to give you the behind the scenes here, I have um, 65 ratings. Thank you so much. And I have a total of 559 downloads over six episodes with my highest one being 171 downloads, my lowest one being 58. I'm on row 91 of that category. I believe I was on row 90 last time, but here's the thing I'll explain. Obsessing over new and noteworthy, not only is probably a waste of time, it's uh, a definite waste of time just finding your show. I spent a half hour scrolling down and down and down and down and down and down. There are 200 rows of podcasts in uh, these categories. So I'm still not listed in the quote main, like if you just go into iTunes store and go new and noteworthy, I'm not in there. So if you'd like to help me with this, go to becauseofmypodcast.com slash subscribe or iTunes actually would work even better becauseofmypodcast.com slash iTunes. And you can subscribe there, leave me a rating and review, and uh, we'll continue on with this. But I am noticing a trend here and that is who are, you know, at the top of new and noteworthy. And I'm noticing something, and that is uh, I recognize all their names. Jim Norton is a famous comedian, filthy, by the way. 
Uh, I'm assuming his podcast might be the same. Kathy Smith, do you remember her? She was a uh, fitness expert back in the 80s, back in the day. And uh, she has a podcast. Chris Hardwick has um, is, um, of course, the Nerdist guy. He's also on Comedy Central. And his Comedy Central show now has a podcast. The Dallas Morning News. Um, Gimlet Media, who are the people behind Startup, have a, they're putting out branded shows. So there's a show for eBay, but the podcast is not about eBay. I haven't listened to it yet. I'm a little scratching my head on that one. And then uh, Michael Costa, who is also a comedian and also on the E! Network. So it may be a case that it's not that easy to get into the, quote, main area of New and Noteworthy because all the celebrities are getting involved. So it used to be when somebody go, I'm in New and Noteworthy in my head, I was kind of like, they think that's a big deal. Well, maybe it is now to get into the main page. And uh, if you want to help me out with that, uh, go ahead again, because of my podcast.com slash iTunes. But it may not be the thing, and it may be what we've been saying all along. And to, to quote the almighty Daniel J. Lewis, again, from the Audacity to Podcast, he was saying, and he might have been quoting somebody from Apple, but basically you should promote your show as if Apple is not going to do anything. Because in the end, even if there is, people think there's this magical eight weeks of new and noteworthy. We've kind of proven that it's not. I mentioned last week that I saw somebody in my area of new and noteworthy that hasn't had a show out since 2011. So they're definitely past their eight week mark. But you should just get into finding your audience, going where they are, making friends with them and telling them about your podcast. Because if you're thinking new and noteworthy is going to be the be all end all, it's uh, A, may not be that easy to get into these days. And B, we still haven't figured out. I said last week, I have a couple clients that are in the main area. And again, it's not thousands of downloads. So that's my report for the uh, new and noteworthy experiment here. I'm not sure. I guess I'll probably do this for eight weeks. Uh, Hopefully not all this long, but I'm just reporting back on what I see. If you're thinking of starting a podcast, the best time to start one is right now. Actually, technically, the best time to start one was about 2005. The second best time to start one is right now. And I would love to help you with that. I was uh, doing some consulting this week, and the person that I was helping said, you know why this was so awesome? And I said, why? She said, because you told me what to do. And I'm like, well, what do you mean? And she goes, I could sit here all day and and think about themes and microphones, and, and there's 37 different options. And you just said, oh, easy, do this. She said, you, you didn't give me 37 different varieties. I just, oh, here's the, here's the one you want to do. Because so many people just, just point me in the right direction. And that is what the School of Podcasting does. Now, in the School of Podcasting, I do have kind of a, here's the Cadillac version, here's the middle of the road version, and here's the, the budget version when you get into the tutorials. But if you know what track you're on, you just follow that track. So there are step-by-step tutorials. You also get priority email support. Then I have a couple times a month, live free podcast consulting, which in theory will pay for the ticket itself to just sit down with me and a few other people and just ask whatever questions you have and let me steer you around those hurdles. That will save you it, it pays in the lack of headaches, in the peace of mind, and the fact that you know you're headed the right way, you've got the right expectations, everything is working. And uh, so that is another great part of that. 30-day money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code. Go over to schoolofpodcasting.com. Click on the join button, and that'll get you in. I will see you on the inside, and I hope to see you. If you're at Podcast Movement, please stop by and see me. One of the things I'm so, I'm actually losing sleep over this. I'm so excited. It's like Christmas for me that I'm going to be able to A, hang out with Rob, Elsie, and Crystal from Lipson. That's going to be a blast in itself. But Craig from Inglaise Podcast, you know, Craig, he's going to be my roommate. Uh, Mark from uh, the school of, a lot of school of podcasting members are going to be there. David Hooper, um, I shouldn't name names because I'm going to miss everybody. Uh, and it's just going to be awesome. And so I'm really looking forward to that. The other thing I need to figure out sometime between now and Thursday is I need to write an acceptance speech in the fact that I actually have to give one. And that's going to be really interesting. If that if they call my name, I'm probably just going to burst into tears. 
uh, I do not handle compliments well. And so that'll be uh, completely humiliating and embarrassing. So um, I will bring my hanky just in case. <laughs> so uh, thank you so much for tuning in. And uh, I will uh, hopefully see you on the inside. Until then, class is dismissed. Take care and God bless. Episode number 521 of the School of Podcasting. We're going to do the couch. Oh, yeesh. It will be open through February 15th. February. February 15th. <laughs>